I want you to go together uh, with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians and chapter 8, and this morning I want to talk to you about the poverty and the riches of Christmas. Every Christmas season we begin to learn once again of the many needs by which we're surrounded, and there are many, many needs around us in our community, in our state, in our nation, in the world in which we live. There, are, there is absolutely no shortage of needs. There are many, also there are many well-known and worthwhile organizations that, that serve to remind us of the poverty in the world in which we live, and especially at Christmas when, when people are in the giving mood, those organizations are active, reminding us of the needs that surround us. I think, uh, like you probably are reminded of, when you go to the store this time of year, you you see the Salvation Army, right, ringing their bells. They're, they're red-kettled bell ringers, right, and and um, they do much to help those in need. And In fact, this time of year uh, is when they raise most of their funds uh, at Christmas time, when people are in the the giving kind of mood, a giving spirit, and the Salvation Army does much to help people in need, and they raise much of their funds this time of year at Christmas. There's also an organization you've probably heard of, and it's called Toys for Tots. Have you heard of that? Um, actually, that one's sponsored by the Marine Corps Reserve, and those uh, fellows organize uh, and and collect toys for local children in need. Um, there's another organization, and we're part of this. Uh, every year we participate in Operation Christmas Child. You guys have heard of that because we've talked about it. And that's actually organized by Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse, and, and that's one we participated with for many years, so packing shoeboxes like many other churches and sending those shoeboxes around the world to help children who who are impoverished, who wouldn't get anything if, if we did not send it to them in those shoeboxes, and, and we're privileged to do that. And, and a wonderful thing about that is that the, the gospel message is included with each one of those gifts. There's another um, another organization you've probably heard of, and it's called Angel Tree. Have you ever heard of that one? Angel Tree is organized by Chuck Colson and Prison Fellowship, and, and what they do is they organize the collection of gifts for some 1.7 million children who have a parent who is imprisoned. Um, and so Project Angel Tree, uh, there are many others. We could probably go on and on, and you could probably tell me of some I maybe have heard of, maybe not. We could go on and on about that. There is certainly no lack of needs to be met. We're reminded of those needs when we think of those kinds of things, like the Salvation Army and Toys for Tots, and Operation Christmas Child, and Angel Tree, and and we know that there's much poverty that surrounds us. It's brought to our attention often at Christmas time when we're in that kind of giving spirit. Certainly no lack of needs to be met. We know there are many people who, who don't have much by way of earthly things. We may even call them impoverished. I'm thankful for these organizations that I mentioned, and there's others like them that are that are worthy of praise and and um, we're thankful for them, aren't we? And I'm thankful for people who participate with them to help those who are in need, even in poverty. I, I bring that to your attention because I want to bring to your attention this morning another kind of poverty. It's important that we as followers of Christ help meet needs. It's important that we help people who are impoverished. But did you know that 
Christmas should also draw our attention to another kind of poverty. Um, it's a poverty that's absolutely clarified for us in our passage this morning in 2 Corinthians 8. And this is the kind of poverty in which every human being on earth finds themselves. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Look at verse 9 and listen as I read. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now when we come to Second Corinthians 8, if you read the context, I'm not going to read the surrounding verses this morning, but if you read the surrounding passage here in 2 Corinthians 8, we find that, that Paul is encouraging and he is challenging the Corinthian believers to be generous givers. And verse 9 stands out, the verse I just read, stands out as a supreme example, the supreme example of Christ as the giver of all givers. You realize Jesus Christ is the giver of all givers. You cannot outgive Christ. And He is our example, isn't He? He is the example for us who gave of Himself and though rich became poor, that we, though poor, might become rich. As we read verse 9, we know, if you know your New Testament, you know the Bible, you know that verse 9 is actually speaking of the grace of God to save sinners through the sacrifice of Christ for our sins. And we read that passage, and as I hope your follower of Christ who reads that passage and rejoices that though he was rich, he gave all and became poor so that you and I might become rich as we put our faith in Christ. But what I want to focus on this morning is what this passage tells us about the poverty and riches of Christmas. This verse is surrounded by Paul's admonition and challenge to the Corinthian believers to be giving people. And we ought to be giving people. We ought to be a people who give graciously and willingly. But what I want to focus on this morning is what, what we find here about the poverty and riches that the Christmas season truly points to. Now, there's a lot of poverty that's pointed to in the world in which we live that's true poverty, but there's a different kind of poverty that's pointed to in this passage that's really what Christmas is all about. This passage shows us the poverty and the riches revealed by the coming of Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see this morning is how blessed we are that though Christ were... Uh, the, the, Though Christ was rich, He became poor, and through Him we become rich, rich in Christ. I want to put the verse on the screen, and, and I asked the guys in the back to put the verse on the screen for me, and, uh, and I want you to say it with me. Can we have that verse on the screen? Do you have that there? You don't have it for me. Okay, I thought we I thought we were gonna have that on the screen. All right, my my bad there. Let's. I want you to say the verse with me anyway, and I'll help you with it. I want to say the verse because I want it to ring in your ears. And maybe I'm going to read from the ESV, and maybe you have it there in front of you. If you don't, follow along, but I'll help you say it. Listen to this and then repeat it after me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say that with me? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, 
And then that last phrase, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Say it with me. So that you by his poverty might become rich. It's a precious statement. I want to dig in to those truths a bit this morning in the remainder of our time. We're going to see the real poverty and riches of Christmas. Have you ever thought about, maybe you've never thought of this, but have you ever thought about what it would be like to be the richest person on earth? Have you ever thought about that? Neither have I. I can't fathom what it would be like to be the richest person on earth, but maybe you have. If you were the richest person on earth, you could you could go anywhere, right? You could do anything. You 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 would never have a need, right? You would never say, boy, I wish I could. Well, you could. You would never wish, you just would do. You'd never worry about another hospital bill, right? Some of us get those bills in the mail and we go, oh my word. <laughs> you never worry about another repair bill. Another, another, never worry about another auto repair or what, you know, what that's going to entail. And, you know, you, you drop your car off and you say, would you try to figure it out? And, 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 and I'm praying it's going to be really cheap. I, the last time I took a car and, and the guy says, can be, you know, how much? And I said, well, I'm, I'm praying it'll be less than that. He said, that's, that's a good idea. It actually was. It was just a few dollars less than what he said. Hey, it actually was cheaper than what I said, but not much, just a little bit. You never, never another auto repair bill concern, right? If you were the richest person on earth. Never have to, we did this on the church parsonage recently. We put the roof on the parsonage. Never have to worry about what it's going to cost to put a roof on your house ever again, right? A couple of years ago, we did the septic system in the church, and, and maybe you've had to deal with the septic system in the last few years, and you know that's expensive, right? Never have to worry about what it's going to cost to replace your septic system and all those things we can't stand thinking about. Never have to make a budget at Christmas time. And if you're, you know, like us, you got to go, okay, let's see here. We can, you know, here's how much we can spend at Christmas time. No, more, maybe, maybe you do that. Maybe you budget at Christmas time. Maybe if you don't, maybe you should, right? Never have to make another budget at Christmas time if you're the richest person on earth. I mean, you can get all the gifts for your family and friends that you want and never be concerned with the cost. And and we would say, well, th- now that would be something, <laughs> right? You ever think about what it would be like to be the richest person on earth? Now think about what it would be like to be the ten richest people on earth. I can't even fathom what it would be like to be the, the richest person on earth let alone the ten, the ten richest people on earth combined. Well, a fellow by the name of Ray Pritchett, he's a pastor and author, he went even further than that. He writes, Take the ten richest men who ever lived and the ten most powerful rulers who ever ruled and the ten wisest men who pondered life's questions. Throw in the ten mightiest generals who ever went to battle and the ten strongest athletes in every sport and the ten most mesmerizing orators plus the ten greatest political leaders, add any ten other men left on the earth. Calculate their accumulated wealth, power, influence, skill, genius, wisdom, insight, ability. Whatever that vast sum comes to, Jesus had more in heaven. No man or collection of men could come close to him. Here's what the Bible says about the riches of Christ. I want you to think about the riches of Christ with me. Colossians 1, 17 says that He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. 
Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, I read it earlier, foretells of Christ's birth and tells us of Him that His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Back in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, we learn that by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus shows us what God is like in that He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, tells us of Christ that he is eternal. He is eternal. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And Revelation 19.16 reveals that Jesus is, it's the familiar phrase to us, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you say that with me? King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's just a little of what the Bible tells us about the riches of Christ. So when we read here in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 in verse 9 that though he was rich, that's hardly saying it all. Though he was rich, we truly can hardly even fathom how rich Jesus Christ is. Though he was rich, we understand we read that that it's just a just kind of scratching the surface. It really doesn't tell at all. We don't even begin to understand his riches and we can't even begin to comprehend what he gave up. To take on human flesh, he had to give up. More than we can even imagine. And until we hear God's Word speak, just a few passages that I read to you and, and the rest of God's Word, until we begin to hear God's Word speak, we really can't even fathom the riches of Christ. And that's just one aspect of the riches of Christmas. Here's another aspect of the riches of Christmas. Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. Do you know something of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? You know, often we think of that word and we try to define that word grace by saying, grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. You realize that Christ is God in human flesh. These are God's, these are Christ's riches. God's riches at Christ's expense, yes, but these are Christ's Riches at Christ's expense. Do you know something of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because it's wrapped up in this truth that though He was rich for your sake, I'm so thankful that that's 
what it says there and not just for some of us, for our sake. He says, for your sake. Do you hear that verse speaking to you today? For your sake, he became poor. Now, how did he become poor? How could Jesus Christ, the one who has far more than anything we could even imagine, how could he become poor? Well, here's how he became poor. He became a man. You realize that? That, that? that that was becoming poor by becoming a man. Think of it for a moment. We said it. You said it with me. King of kings and Lord of lords. I read the passage earlier that told us that He is the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. That's all life created and sustained by Christ. And the Creator and Sustainer of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, put on human flesh, took the flesh of mankind, for himself. And we begin to understand a little bit more about this when we stop and think about how feeble our flesh is. We have a prayer list that we compile and share midweek, and, and by and large, it's a prayer list of, of people who are falling apart, right? And we're praying for each other because we're all falling apart. We're feeble people. In fact, we're so feeble that we had to put on coats this morning so that we'd be warm between the front door and halfway to church when the car finally warmed up, right? Right, you wore a coat this morning, and if you didn't, well, I don't know what's wrong with you, but, you know, we wear coats this time of year because we're feeble, right? And we throw, at our house, we throw wood on the fire because we're feeble. We're thankful that we can throw wood on the fire because we're feeble. It's nice having the wood heat. Maybe you're like that and you enjoy that. Uh, a few years ago, I finally came to my senses after burning my hand on the stove several times over the years, putting wood in, or trying to stand back and throw it in. You know, that doesn't quite work. You know, I ought to buy a pair of gloves that will protect my hands. <clears throat> I'm feeble too, right? And we're feeble that way, but now we've got these nice, I think they're welder's gloves, just a cheap pair of gloves, and everybody puts those on we put wood in and, we even let some little guys do it too. They put wood on the fire, put the gloves on, and I haven't been burned since, huh? Well, it takes a while for me to catch on. But we're feeble people, right? And we do things to protect ourselves because we're feeble. Jesus Christ took on feeble flesh. The flesh of mankind. He also became poor by living the humble existence of a little-known carpenter. He didn't come to earth and take on flesh to find riches. You realize that, right? He didn't come to earth to find what he didn't have in heaven. He came and lived in poverty. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, God the illimitable, the infinite, veiled himself in human flesh. God the omnipotent, the eternal, came here in the form of a baby hanging in weakness at, at a woman's breast God whom angels adore, before whom all heaven bows with deepest solemnity of awe, was found where horned oxen fed, and in a manger he was laid. It was poverty for him to take those rags of our poor humanity and clothe himself with them. For his own robe was the light. His chariot was a flame of fire. His palace the heaven of God. Yet was he found at Bethlehem, 
a child born, a son given, that He might redeem His people from all iniquity. We cannot comprehend the condescension of Christ half as much as the angels can. They have far higher view of the glory of God than we have, and therefore they have a clearer apprehension of the wondrous steep which Jesus made when He became man for our sakes. What poverty it was for Him. It was not so much for Joseph and for Mary as for Him to be in the inn, to find that there was no room for Him. In fact, what poverty it was for him to be a baby at all. Yes, Jesus Christ gave up the riches of heaven to be born in human flesh to save his people from their sin. Jesus Christ, creator of the universe, chose poverty. Do you you know anyone who chooses poverty over riches? Neither do I. But Jesus Christ chooses poverty over riches. He chooses to make Himself like us so that He might communicate very clearly just how much He loves you. As 2 Corinthians 8-9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. See, we see here the poverty of Christmas also, right? We see the riches of Christmas. We see the poverty of Christmas. I want to tell you about two types of poverty. There's one we've really already talked about. There's the poverty that Christ took on, which we just noted. There's also our own poverty. The passage doesn't specifically talk about our poverty. It's implied here. It says here, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You know, and if we're to become rich by his poverty, that means we must first be living in poverty. Otherwise, we wouldn't need his riches, right? Why would we need to be made rich otherwise? What is this poverty of ours? What is this poverty that that we need to be saved from, to be made rich from? The Bible plainly tells us of our own poverty without Christ. Romans 3.10 informs us saying, No one is righteous. Hence at our poverty when it says, No one is righteous. No, not one. And I would suggest that knowing something about our own poverty, we dare not think we can do without Christ, that we that we can somehow get by as if we have no need for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. We need that, don't we? The Bible makes it clear we need that. Mark chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23 goes into more detail about our poverty without Christ. Just one of many passages that digs deep into our poverty without Christ. Mark 7, verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, if that's not poverty, what is? The point is the same point the Bible makes in 1 Corinthians 6-9 where it says, 
do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? You see, if we can't inherit the kingdom of heaven on our own, then we are in desperate need. We're in poverty, aren't we? Who are the unrighteous? The unrighteous are those who have not come to Christ, who have not believed in Jesus Christ, who have not repented of sin and trusted in Him, that you by His poverty might become rich. You see, by Christ's poverty, we become rich when we come to Christ, when we trust in Christ, when we turn to Him from sin, repenting of sin, believing in Jesus Christ. We become rich, rich in Christ. You see, we're in desperate need of the riches of Christ because as Titus 3.3 reminds us, before trusting Christ, we're actually enslaved to sin. Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And that passage is not talking about people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and made something of themselves. That passage is talking about people who repented of sin and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what they once were. That's what you once were if you know Christ. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions. Slaves to sin. We don't hear about that much at Christmas time, do we? Hear about being slaves to sin. That's the poverty of Christmas. You know, it's a very good thing to give gifts to those you love because God first loved you. I hope that's why you give. You give because God first gave to you. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be concerned with those living in poverty. It's a good thing to be concerned with those who have needs. It's a good thing to give of yourself, even to the point where it costs you something and it's even a bit painful to give. It's a good thing to meet the needs of others for God's glory. But I would suggest this morning that we dare not let another Christmas pass without recognizing our own poverty. Don't let another Christmas pass before you recognize your need of Christ. You may have repented of sin a long time ago and trusted in Jesus Christ, but now you take for granted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take it for granted this Christmas. Don't let another Christmas pass without recognizing your own poverty, your own need, and the, and the depths of the riches of the grace of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just as Paul wrote to the believers, I trust, I pray it's true, that you also know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. I pray it's true of each person here today. Yet I want to tell you, if you haven't accepted the gift of the riches of Christ, if you haven't yet admitted that you are enslaved in your own sinful poverty without Christ, then there is no better day than this one to repent of your sin and trust in Him. And if you've been living as if God owed you, there's no better day 
than to repent of your sin and trust in Christ. Acknowledge your own poverty without Him. And believer today, acknowledge what you would be without Christ today. And be grateful. And yes, give. Because of the goodness of God to give to you, His Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we celebrate today. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we are grateful and we're thankful for the reminder from Your Word today. And I pray, God, that Your people right now are thinking about how grateful they are because of the riches of Jesus Christ given at the, at the expense of Christ, taking on poverty so that we might take on riches. The riches of Christ. The riches of the forgiveness of sin. The riches of being washed clean from the penalty of sin. Redeemed by the blood of Christ. Being made new, given new hearts. Being made new men, new women in Christ. God, help us to be grateful. I pray that it's true of us that we are grateful and we are thankful and we will live our days in gratitude and obedience and, and gratefulness and, and be those people who give generously, even painfully so for ourselves because you gave all. Lord, help us to give all for your glory. God, help us to honor and glorify you and give of ourselves and be obedient to you and to your word. Be obedient to your Son and honor the Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for those this morning who, who may not know you, who may be still in rebellion against God, still in sin, still in poverty. God, I pray, help them to repent of sin and to trust in Jesus Christ today. That they might dwell in the riches of Jesus Christ for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.